I think I've titled this one, Developing Leadership Competencies for Effective Leadership. That's too long. So let's call it Leadership Competencies for Effective Leadership. Is that fine? Are we sure? All right, praise God. Um, in the course of today's conversation, principles from God's Word will be shared. Um, just in case you hear anything that sounds like health advice, please consult with your doctors. If you hear anything that sounds like financial advice, please consult with your financial advisors. And if you hear anything that sounds like spiritual advice, please consult with your... Praise God. All right. My voice is going to be quite loud this morning. And I want you, please try not to forget the things we talk about today. Will you do that? I was going to digress. Maybe I should. The concept of remembering, scripturally speaking, is different from remembering, humanly speaking. So when the word says, don't forget, it's actually not saying, like, repeat it every day so that you remember. What, is, what it means is do it. That's the best way to, to remember. I remember, and I don't know if this might be an encouragement. I've shared this here before, right? When I was a child, I had something, something. I don't know what it was. If I, I keep saying it. If I was born in this part of the world, they would have given me a quick diagnosis and started me on medications. For some reason, I could not remember information from here to there. It was really bad. So if you needed me to, to move from here, maybe where Shea is, to where PK is, and Shea says, oh, PK, it's cold on this side. Can we turn on the heat? By the time I leave Shea and get to where PK is, I've forgotten the message. So for me to remember, I would literally have to say, PK, Shea said it's cold over here. PK, Shea said it's cold over here. PK, then when I get there alive, then I'll deliver the message and then return. Praise God. But thank God my parents did not handle it with kid gloves. They said, not this child, not, of, not this one that we know what God has told us. And so they, they took it to the right place on their knees. And to the glory of God, the victory is standing before you today, right? Yeah, I can remember things like, like something else now. It's almost a, it's a blessing. Praise God. <laughs> So are we still with me? So will you remember today's discussions? Um, we started talking about leadership last week, and we said leadership is the ability to take people from here to there, to see that place, to sell the vision to the people, to rally the troops, to be a good communicator who can motivate them through the highs and the lows. And by the time you arrive at your destination, the people, they have transformed so much that they are arriving as leaders. Do we remember? All right. So today we are discussing the competencies in a little bit more detail. If that's fine. Is that fine? All right. So we're going to talk about vision, which we introduced last week. Um, under vision, we're going to talk about birthing. We are going to talk about seeing, we are going to talk about selling, and we are going to talk about revisioning. All right? Number two competence we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the troops, 
So rallying people, this essentially is people, winning with people, all right? And under that, we're going to talk about influence, we're going to talk about communication, and we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, all right? How is my writing doing so far? Looking good? All right. Um, we're going to talk about modeling transformation. I believe you know what that is. And under that, we're going to talk about personal discipline. And then we're going to talk about being an example. Number four, we're going to talk about investing in people. Investing in people. And then number five, we're going to touch on this. I, I'm sure we will not be able to get to this today. We won't be able to get to this today. All right. So these are the five main leadership competencies that we are going to um, touch. Everybody still awake? Everybody still excited about what we're about to learn? Glory to God. All right. So part of the things we had established was that there is such a thing as leadership by position. And there is genuine leadership. Not everyone who is in position is offering good leadership. But you do not necessarily need that position for you to be in leadership. However, that position has a way of giving you a sense of seriousness. And it, it allows you to dig into what is inside you and to dig things out. Am I still with us this morning? So what that means is, for example, I'm giving an example, all right? And I have to be careful with my examples these days. But because some of them might not just be examples. But this one, by God's grace, is an example. Amen? <laughs> So let's say we just get a message from Pastor Matthew. He says, PD, you've done an amazing job with KICC Canada. You know, it's time to move on. We are sending you to KICC. Where now? My wife is like, my brother. <laughs> well, well, we've always said where the Lord leads, you will go, right? Yeah. So if that is where the Lord is leading, you know, we'll go. And then, it, you know, it just says, um... We are going to, since it was the one, maybe I should just throw these bullets in this direction. <laughs> and he says, um, uh, PD recommends someone. And I say, oh, we have a lot of amazing people. We have PJ, we have PK, we have PL. You know, you know, like PM, you can take any one of them. They're all anointed. And PM says, well, the name I'm seeing in my vision, um, it starts from B. It starts from B. I say, oh, we have a PB. He said, maybe that is him. Now, maybe we've not even done, we've not done ordination, we've not done commendation, we've not done all those things. Do you know the moment that information comes, a lot of things will change inside PB. Do you know? Everything PD has thought about leadership, suddenly we resurrect. Boom. It's next quiet time. When it's like, ah, Holy Spirit, this John, I don't know what, the next one will be, Holy Spirit, whatever is going on in this John, <laughs> better show me now. So can you see how position can allow you to dig a bit deeper and allow you push a bit further? But let me tell you what the 
most effective people have learned. They've learned to create those same tensions for themselves. I might not be called the senior pastor of the church, but I will study as though I was. I might not be the lion-head in this department, but I'm going to be so dutiful as though I am. Anybody with me? So what we are learning today is for you. That is why I'm going through all of this. You might say, oh, PD, I'm just the least in my family. I'm the least in this department. PD, if I don't come to church for one year, nobody will notice. I am not insignificant. Well, in God's books, you are extremely significant. And we don't need to dignify you with a position for you to know that God has already called you to lead his temple first and foremost. And he has a vision for your life that you will need all of these competencies for you to successfully deliver them to your world in a way that our God will get his glory. Somebody say glory to God. I do not like picking out one thing and saying this one is the most important because I have come to learn that if there are all, of these, all of these competencies are very important. Did you hear me? But if there was one that you must begin to labor for, it is vision. Somebody say vision. If you have a great influential leader who is an amazing communicator, somebody who has immense personal discipline, invests in people, knows when and how to bow out, but cannot see what tomorrow looks like, that person is no leader. The most critical competence of a leader is the ability to see tomorrow. My God. This is so, so, so critical that when you are, like the, there's a slang in the village I'm from. They say it is who knows road that we do what? <laughs> oh, you guys don't know. You've not been in touch with your village in a while. As far as vision is concerned, God will never bring you to a place that he has not shown you. Scratch that. God will never bring you into a place that you have not seen. Maybe he has shown you, but you have not seen it. Can you see those are two completely different things? That's the power of vision. Vision has the ability to begin to dig out things inside you that you did not know were there. And you are just so excited. You are just pressing towards it. You are waking up. You are praying there. And, and people are like, what is wrong with you? Is there something you know that we don't know? You're like, I'm laboring because I'm seeing something. I am seeing myself. It's just the same way when I had that same memory challenge as a child, being unable to even communicate. I was at the back of the class academically. In my dreams, I will see the same little boy standing in podiums, large rooms filled with people of different colors at a time where I didn't even know where the airport was. And I'll continue to see those dreams, and it wouldn't make sense. Is it this dull child that is going to speak to these people? Sometimes I'll see myself carrying loads of papers, and I'll be walking to the stage, and the old stage will stand up, and they'll be in applause. And just when I want to run away, maybe I'll see a picture of my dad or my mom, you know, guide me to it and say, this is your stage. Own it. Ah, like, what kind of strange, strange thing is this? That's the power of vision. As shy and as introverted as I was, something about that vision, when I saw a crowd, boldness came. It just came. It's when I leave the, the crowd that the shy me returns. Somebody say vision. Somebody say vision. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, all the way to verse 17. Is it going to be on our screen? Or should I pull up my Bible? 
Genesis 13, 14 to 17. Because of our time, let me see if I can pull it up. And you should pull it up also. All right? You know, the production people have spoiled us. You see, you have it. I don't have it yet. <laughs> you guys are just very, very spoiled. The other day at the royal service, I asked for people who brought paper Bibles. I was, thank you. I was impressed. Almost all of them had, like, Bibles. I'm sure if we did it now with the big people. Let's, not, let's just move on. <laughs> let's move on, right? Let's move on. Let's move on. My royals never fall my hand. Never. Praise God. I didn't say you. You've, I hope you didn't get me wrong. Yeah, good. Okay. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, we are not going into the details of how that vision comes, but if you pay attention to the scriptures, you'll begin to see it. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Look northward, look southward, look eastward, look westward. It says, for all the land which you see, not all the land which there is, Am I in the right building this morning? It is the one you see. The moment you can't see it and you excuse yourself out of it, everyone has to co-sign it. Says she's not ready for that level of greatness. Oh, I'm too young. I can't be the, 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 the senior executive in this company. Who says so? If you can see it, he says, I will give it to you. If you can birth that vision. Verse 16 says, and I will make your descendants. Now, at this point, this is somebody who had no child. Descendants, this God is funny. And that's how vision is many times. Your current state of here versus the picture of there. Sometimes it's like, God, please, let's be behaving. You know, let's be behaving ourselves. Just give me one child. I'm fine. Give me two. I've blown. Descendants, dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. This is what God was pumping Abraham with. And these are the words Abraham was pumping himself with. And he was growing old, and Sarah was growing old, and they were watching menopause show up, but God never paused. And they were saying those words to themselves, our descendants are going to be more numerous than the dust of the earth. And then he says in verse 17, Arise! Any vision that you cannot walk in, you've not seen it properly. Did you hear me? There's a man, you've probably heard his story. Um, I will keep his name. What the vision for a park? And he lived in it so much that he knew where everything was. Before the unveiling of that facility, the guy had passed on. And his wife was there. It was on the day of the dedication that the people said, today is a beautiful day, an amazing occasion for us to witness the unveiling of this park. And the only thing short of today being a perfect, perfect day, of course I'm paraphrasing, is that Mr. D is not here to see it. And the wife said, no. He saw it before every one of us. He saw it. We are the ones just, just seeing it. People said it was so bad that when he took people to show them into land. Do you, do you know what I mean by land? Like bare land. When you are walking like this and he's the one guiding you, he says, follow me. When he says, follow me, it means follow me. 
Because when you go there, you say, hey, you bump into a wall. You don't understand? He was seeing everything in a way that he was preventing his guests from bumping into. Not, they were walking on sand. He says, arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. Somebody say, vision. So, you and I must learn by the help of the Holy Ghost to birth that vision, to see it, to walk in it, and then to begin to sell it because the people don't see what the leader sees. They can only hear what the leader is saying. Do you understand? So an angel appears to Gideon and says, mighty warrior, we are going to win. Gideon is you they appeared to. They did not appear. <laughs> oh, the Lord has told Pity we are going nationwide. We are going to do this. Well, Pity is you got told. It is... <laughs> Is you got told though? Because this thing you are saying, it looks like it's going to involve millions. The people that told you should better get the millions ready. And that's a powerful point. That's a powerful point. Because what, we'll, what we call provision is actually God's release for if there is no vision, there is no for it. You birth it, you see it, then you sell it to the people. The magnitude of what you felt when God spoke to you is the way you open your mouth and you go and sell it to Sarah. And say, Sarah, I know you were not there. I know you did not hear, but this is what God has said. We might be poor, broke, dejected now, but God has said we are going to own properties nationwide and we are going to advance his kingdom through us. Many souls will gather in crusade grounds in this nation. And Sarah is saying, I don't get it, but I believe you, my Lord. Glory to God. So you see it, you sell it. How do you know you've sold it when the people can run with it? When the people can run with it. When the people have, have owned it enough that is now you the leader who is now wondering, whose vision is it? Is it mine or is it theirs? When the people's hearts are willing in the day of battle. Somebody say glory to God. There's a, there's a tiny word here I've written. I don't know if you can see it under vision. We are number one. We'll see how far we can go this morning. Somebody say revision. Now, when the picture of there, you get there, something happens to that person. All of the motivation and the energy and the ambition and everything, whatever word, it dries up. Hello? Now the facility has been built. Now the champions have been raised. Now we've done crusades, counting souls, millions. Whenever you get to the point where you get that internal tick of no energy, no drive, it is proof that you need a new vision. Hello? Are you with me? Are you with me? And this, this, this is in multiple areas of our lives. You might have 70% progress in one area, 20 in another, and another one you might be at the point where you need to start trusting God for a new vision. A new vision. You just know this, this, this phase is done. And you know that you know that you know that you know inside you. Genesis chapter 9 and verse 20, God gave the man Noah a vision. 
God gave him something to run with. He sold it to the best of his leadership competencies. Of course, nobody bought the vision. His family and the animals were preserved. At the end of that vision, the next thing a man of the Spirit will do is say, God, thank you for your faithfulness with this phase. What next? My God, this question will save somebody in the years to come. Can you say it with me? Somebody say, what next? Will you remember that question? God, what next? You won't say, now I, I, I've been there, done that, got a t-shirt. I've become an expert. They call me an emeritus reference in this field. I, I can just start consulting people on ark building. No. You ask God, what next? Someone forgot to ask that question. And in verse 20 of Genesis 9, Noah began. Somebody say began. To be an husband man, and he planted a vineyard. Maybe this is what the man has always wanted to do before God called him. And God is saying, what I have for you is bigger, better. Don't go back to where I called you from, doing the things I pulled you out from. Saying, God, at least now I've done your will. Let me go do my will. No. At this point, you say, God, what next? Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 and verse 3. Another amazing person, an example from the new covenant, who had a clear mandate. Somebody say clear mandate. He knew it was the voice in the wilderness. He knew it was the one who had been sent to prepare the way for the Lord. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? John, what happened to you? Do you guys know John had a ministry? Like he had members. Do you know on the day he announced Jesus, some members left John's church and joined Jesus' church? Do you know if I was John? You guys don't understand. If I was John, the day I announced Messiah is the day I closed down my church. That, that it may increase, that it may decrease, is a nice thing. But it is really, really, do you want to hear the real thing? That it may start and I may stop. Why am I running ministry <laughs> when Jesus is in town? What, what church am I doing? May it not be us in the mighty name of Jesus. Do you know that's how the rapture will happen? And some people will still be in service. Oh, amazing service, pastor. Powerful sermon. May it not be our portion. We will be in the clouds with our Jesus. Singing forever. Getting ready to show up before the judgment seat to receive our rewards. You'll be shocked. Jesus, a tr trumpet has gone. you see car park full. Oh, a powerful service. With quotes, my deliverance has come. My movement has come. And Jesus has, has come and gone. The guy could not close the ministry. I don't know why. Maybe they had, they had assets. They had too many members. I don't know what it was. But he continued doing ministry. Your, your, your ministry vision is prepared the way. Now the way has come. He should have gone back to say, God, what next? This question will save many of us in the years to come. Lest we get to the point. Have you seen people who, there's a book now that comes to mind, Finishing Strong by Steve Farrer. 
Great men don't exploit. But this just inability to say what next, they get to a place of comfort. Being there, done that, started from the, from the, how do they say it now? Started from the bottom. Let's just move on. <laughs> Praise God. Somebody say vision. So, you are not saying it like you believe it. Somebody say vision. The, the second main competence is the ability to rally troops. This is extremely critical because if you have a God-given vision and you lack the ability to rally the people, that vision, I heard the man of God say, without a vision, the people perish. That is scripture, right? But this is what the man of God said. Also, without people, the vision will perish. Where are you going? How many, how many people can, can, can pity the rich at once? So we need the ability to rally troops. Remember, not bully, not manipulate, not coerce, not arm twist, but to do what? Influence them, sell the vision, make it so compelling, and then communication. Somebody say communication. We are going to have future sessions on this. I'm going to make an announcement next week. All right, where we will get into all of these things in detail. I know someone is saying, PD, this vision, where, where does it used to come from? I need a vision for my life. I need a vision for my family. I have children. I need a vision for their life. A guiding, compelling picture of the future. Where will it come from? Should I just copy and paste, look at someone else's family that we like? Or is there a place it comes from? There's a book I will recommend. Um, and I will use when we get into the nitty-gritty of this. I don't even know where my copy of that book is. If it is with you, under the sound of my voice, please return my book. The title of the book is called Visioneering. Visioneering by Andy Stanley. Vision, visioneering, like engineering. Visioneering. All right. Um, somebody say communication. Part of what we will learn when we discuss communication is the extinct, scarce, hard to find ability to listen. My God. Have you been talking to someone before that you know they are just waiting to respond? They are just calculating the retort, the rebuttal. There's, there's something they want to tell you back. Real, solid leaders have the ability not only to listen. You know there's a way you look like you are listening, but you are not listening. Do you know that, do you know that thing? We're like, hmm, hmm, oh, oh, oh. I know my wife is watching now. I want to sober. There's a sound that when she makes it, I know that means I was not listening. But so me, I know what it means. So that's still communication, right? And I have my own too. When I say it, she knows that mm, when you're ready, let me know. Somebody say, listen. You can try it. Active listening. Just let people give them that moment of you. You will become a remarkable person. You will just discover people want to spend more time with you. Because you are not just there waiting to respond. You are actually listening. Paying attention to their body language. Paying attention to every word they are saying. You know, checking with them. So, if I heard you right, this is what you meant. Oh, no, 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 no. And you allow them. You just allow them. Great leaders talk when it is time to talk. But they are great listeners. We're going to talk about listening skills. We're going to talk about the ability to motivate. My God. Words have the power to make people to get up and do impossible things. Did you hear me? 
and great leaders over time have learned this. You psych the people up. The football teams do this. Um, sports teams do this. And they're usually very loud. Have you noticed? Charging themselves up, psyching themselves up, reminding themselves of why they left their houses, reminding themselves of the sleepless nights, reminding themselves of the early mornings in the gyms, and say, all of that comes to this moment. Let's be men. Fight! And sometimes they are beating your team 3-0. 3-0. But you know, we didn't, we didn't come here to quit. He told the guys, we're going to change this call line. We have 45 minutes to prove the past. I hear people talking and talking and talking. That's where true leadership earns its coins. True leaders can turn any situation around with the power of their words. Would you love to know how to speak and people will get up and want to do things? Would you love to learn it? And then the, the last thing we'll talk about under communication is how to have tough, uncomfortable conversations. Many people don't like talking about tough things. You know, in this church, we don't fight, we don't quarrel, everybody's just nice, but there is an issue. When are we going to talk about it? Oh, just sweep it under. You know, we don't, we don't, we, we are. Mm -mm -mm -mm. It's a big weakness for you to lack the ability to have tough conversations. What Jesus teaches us is how to have those conversations with a spirit of love. Do you understand? Do you understand? Husbands and wives, you must learn to have tough conversations. Don't say every time we bring up this topic, you, it, it always makes you, you know, this way. You look like a monster. I don't like seeing a monster, so I'm never going to talk about it again. I just like my angel husband, you know, or I like my divine wife. Amen. And you know, every time we talk about this, you just, you know, you get fluttered. And I just want you happy. That's what I want. So, does it not, what I'm saying, does it not sound nice? So, let's not talk about it. Anyways, when you sweep it under the carpet, guess what's happening under the carpet? Aha. Uh -huh. One day, it's not even you that will leave the carpet. The thing will have overgrown the carpet. Do you know Godzilla? Do you know Godzilla? You just hear one day from your carpet. So, he's there. What is this thing in this house? He said, I'm the one. I've been growing there. You've been piling me up, piling me up. Now, your real monster is here. May it not be our portion in the name of Jesus. Uh, and then emotional intelligence, we're going to have to talk to how to be self-aware and how to connect with people based on their emotions, all right? How to provide. It's, a, it's, it's something a lot of people don't naturally have. Especially people of our, like, you understand? People of our, you know, yeah, we don't really have it like that. You, you hear people say, I say things, I say it as it is. You know, that's how I am, I'm blunt. No, Proverbs says that a fool says all that is in his heart. I didn't say it. It's not me that said it. It is in the word of God. So can't say I just say it and I give it to them. They know me. They know, that's how we are in my family. Well, what family are you talking about? You've been called out of that family into a new family. In this new family, there is a way we talk. We talk like Jesus. My goodness. A lot of the things we are publishing nowadays as modern thinking, new thoughts, there are things that Jesus modeled. Are we still together? Is anybody being changed so far? Are you thinking of ways that you can use this already? Are you sure? 
So number one, we've talked about vision. Somebody say vision. Number two, we've talked about rallying the troops. Somebody say rally the troops. Number three, model transformation. Model transformation. This is extremely important. Model transformation. Because as you sell the vision to the people and as you learn to influence and communicate and connect with them, they are watching you to see if you really believe in what you've sold to them. You can't tell them we're going to travel tomorrow and then your bag is not packed tonight. They are watching you. They didn't see the angel that brought the instruction to you. They were not there the night God spoke and planted that seed in your heart. It is you they heard. You are the leader. They are following. And they are watching you to see your personal discipline. I shared with us a very heartbreaking story of a man of God. Can, can, you, can you guys give me like five more minutes? Is that fine? All right. Very heartbreaking story of a man of God. I've shared it with us before because it breaks my heart. This man was charismatic and he was gathering a group of people together saying, we're going to do ministry differently in the United States of America. Well, I already told you the country. We're going to do things differently. That's why don't start by destroying the old. Do you understand? Because the premise of the ministry was even all the other, all the other churches, they are, they are like Jesus has left them. We are the only place Jesus is now. You know, that's, that, that foundation is already faulty. We're going to, and we're extremely charismatic. This guy will preach and sweat and people will be blessed. And you hear people say things like, wow, this is the church I've been looking for. for like, which is why any ministry that is built, hear me, write it down. Any ministry that is built on the charisma of a leader is a bomb waiting to explode. If the leader cannot deflect it to Jesus, that ministry is a bomb, it's just ticking. Because the day that pastor has anything, that's the end of that ministry. I'm not saying the man is, is un, unmanable. But in a place where you've deflected to Jesus, if indeed that man had issues, the same people that have been built will minister life to him. Get him to the place of restoration and that ministry won't crumble. There was a young man there who was, this person was not even a serious believer back home. Came, found this ministry, said, I'm going to give everything. Every time pastor talks, I can't like, have you met people who talk, you can sell everything in your house. You don't understand? Sell your car, sell your certificate, sell your wife, sell your children. You just believe so hard. This guy believed. Monday when pastor needs somebody, Monday morning, Tuesday morning, the guy will leave work. Like in his mind, he was doing it for Jesus. Until one day, he just drove into the church office on the workday morning. And you know, as per our pastor opened up policy, just opened up the policy, and he saw some unspeakable things. He could not believe it. He could not believe it so bad. If it was any other person, he would like pray for them, but not you. You are God. Because the man of God made himself God. He said, no, God cannot do this thing. You know, that was the last person, that person was in church. And he just said, no, if this person can be fake, all of you are fake. The person walked away from Christianity. Because one person misrepresented Jesus. Which is why a true leader in the ministry con context, we're pointing the people to Jesus. 
They must be able to follow us. In the words of Paul, as we follow Christ and to know Christ enough to know when we have stepped out of line. Do you understand? Because if we are not showing them Christ, they won't even know when you when you step. They will just be following you. They will just be following you. But if you have, if as they are following you and showing them Christ, then the day you step out, they will say, um, PD, um, remember you said in Eyes That See. When you stay at <laughs> Oh my goodness. Do you know there are leaders that are surrounded by people that can't talk to them? They can't talk to them. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fable around the king who wore no clothes. The em- emperor who wore no clothes. You know that story? Yeah, you can't talk to him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Somebody say model transformation. So that's the place of personal discipline and being an example. Being an example, that exemplary work. First Samuel chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1 to verse 5, very quickly because of our time. First Samuel chapter 12, well, number 3, and we are not doing 5, so we are doing well. First Samuel 12, 1 to 5, very quickly. Very quickly. Is it coming up? Or should I pull it up? I know it's coming up, but let me try to pull it up while it is coming up. All right, thank you. It says, now Samuel said to all Israel, indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me, and I've made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. Remember what we learned from last week where David said, I have... I have led God's flock with the integrity of my heart and with the skills of my hand. Skills you can learn and train. Integrity is by a daily work of mouth and actions in agreement. It says, look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against, here I am, full stop. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Now listen, this is goals for leaders. It says, whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whose wife have I given a prophecy? The Lord says, come and spend six nights breaking into the next level in the prophet's house. Whom have I oppressed? What have I manipulated? Or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. My, this is goals. Listen to the response in verse 4. And they said, you have not cheated us. Imagine the leaders of our nations. Imagine a certain country I shall not mention. As election season is coming up and the current president is handing over. And he says, who have I oppressed? What have I cheated? Have I taken bribe from any one of you? <laughs> My goodness. Verse 5, then he said, oh yeah, this, someone was talking to an entire nation here. The Lord is witness against you and is anointed, is witness this day that you have not found anything. Right? This, is, this is my goal. Oh, that by the time I am done, I'll be able to look back. No scandal. No dots, no, no pecs, by the grace of God. 
Because it's there in the Old Testament. Can you take us to Acts 20? It's there in the New Testament too. It's there. From verse 26. It says, therefore, I declare to you today, I am innocent of the blood of any one of you. Please help me jump, jump to the next one. Let's jump to the next one because of our time. Verse 33. I have never coveted. This is a, this is a deeper level. He's not even saying I took it. I didn't covet it. Anyone's silver or gold or their car or their Rolex or their houses or anything, you just see it or someone sends it a testimony. Oh, I just got a promotion. You know, the Lord has increased me. And the next thing is there's someone here. You need to sow a seed of promotion gratitude. You know those bendings. Word from knowledge. Not, <laughs> not a word of knowledge. He said, you know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me and I have been a constant example. That is it. A constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to collect, collect. I'm the man of God. Collect, collect. It's more blessed. Man of God too can give. Amen. People are looking at me like I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you too. Because we're in this together. Do you know you're a man of God? Uh-huh. Please know. Number four. I'm happy I got to number four today. Somebody say investing in people. There is a drug. There is a leadership drug. When I was growing up, my mom would share stories on a lot of leadership material. And, and she will tell me that there are three things that destroy great leaders. I don't know why she was saying this to me a lot. Because, I mean, what was my business with great leaders? She says sometimes there are three Gs. Girls, glory, and gold. Anybody heard it before? Yes. Okay, you've heard it now. And if you are girls, you know your own cannot be girls. Guys, thank you. So, GGG. Somebody say GGG. Uh -huh. This thing can change people. Pardon my, my writing. Can you see it? Money changes people. It reveals. Actually shows us the real you. Somebody say the real you. Glory. Glory is now, you are now front cover. You now have 2.7 million followers. The whole world is talking about you. You are the greatest man of God since. You know that's how they craft those headlines. Canada sees greatest revivalist since Benin. My God. Benin is still alive. You see, the new Benin is in KICC Canada. Meet Pastor, Prophet, Dr. P.D. Hey! And PD just enters the interview. You know? And everything is just blinging, blinging, blinging. People now say, wait, oh, is this not the same PD? Now that glory has come, it has shown us the real, not, not me in Jesus' name. But why are we talking about that? There's a drug. Somebody said there's a drug. There is a point a leader gets to that he begins to think about the true definition of leadership. Remember our true definition? 
that you rally troops from here to there to accomplish a vision that you've sold to them, you've communicated, you've rallied the troops, you've modeled transformation. But by the time you arrive there, you have not just led followers. Those people have changed so much, they are now leaders on arrival. Do you understand? That, there's a name for that. When the people you've raised are leaders themselves. Can you see it? Sorry, pardon my writing. Can you see it? Somebody say legacy. Many leaders begin to think about this too late. They think about this at the end of their leadership journeys. What they don't know is that all leaders have a legacy. My God. I hope I could just shout this and get everybody to hear it. Every leader has a legacy. What leaders call legacy is good legacy. But every leader has a legacy. You are leaving something behind. With every step you take, there's a footprint. People are watching and they will pay attention. Some of you today, maybe I should speak for myself, I remember the legacy of my Sunday school teacher. Some of you have teachers that you remember their imprints on your life, right? Some of you have teachers that if you see them today, it will take the love of Jesus. My goodness. For you to just walk away, it will take the love of Jesus. But some of you have some that when you see them, you run to them, give them a big hug. If you can, you buy them a gift that they will remember for the rest of their lives. True or false? What's the difference between influences like that? Legacy. But because people start thinking legacy too late. Somebody say too late. There is a drug that leaders buy. That now that I have not been able to successfully invest in people, let me start investing in things. So that if I'm handing over the church and I've not raised people, at least we've, we have a building. Yeah. You are not ready for this part today. You're not ready. Let's continue this one next, next, next one now. Are you ready for this part? Leaders who have not built people, they must build something. So you see them crazy about projects. From one building to two buildings, and the people are dying, suffering inside the building. But their legacy is the building, not the people. And the devil loves legacies of things, not legacies of people. Jesus here did ministry for three and a half years. I don't know how many tangible assets he left. But boy, did he leave people. Changed people by the power of his spirit. As don't get me wrong, as we are building people, we will build things. Amen? But we will never build things at the expense of people. Do you know why the devil loves building things instead? Do you know why? Daniel chapter 4, verse 29 and 30, and then we round up there. Has anybody been blessed? Daniel 4, please, let's round up with that. It says 12 months later. Somebody say 12 months later. E was taking a walk. Do you know who E is here? Anybody knows? Nebuchadnezzar, the big boy, the big emperor. Taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. Now, give us verse 30. As he looked out across the city, he said, when a great leader looks out across the city, he sees great people raised. He said, Father, thank you. 
Father, thank you. Oh my, I jumped to the scripture where it told us about the kind of people that came to meet David and the kind of people they had become. And David, you say, God, look at the mighty men you've given me. Look at the mighty men. And God will remind him, well, they didn't come to you as mighty men. And David will say, yes, there was something you put in me that I could share with them. And these same people now have become mighty. Nebuchadnezzar looked across. Rather than seeing people that he has raised in his time of rule, he said, look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power. Can you see why the devil doesn't mind you investing in things? Because one day you will look at those things. And you say, when I, when I took over KICC, we had nothing. We were packing chairs and, and pulling down. We we'll, we'll, we'll set up instruments. Now we have a 5,000-seater auditorium in the heart of the GTA. Now we have another 5,000-seater in BC. All the provinces, we have footprints. From, from, from just PD's wife and their daughter, the church now has 10,000 members across the nations doing multiple services. So look at what my mighty hand has done. By my almighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. And, and everyone heard it. I said, eh. Oh, wow. What a great, what a mighty indeed you are. But when you build people, do you know transformed lives humble you? Oh, you didn't hear me. Transformed lives humble you. Big things can make you prideful. I round up with this, um, a great man of God who is now of blessed memory, very recently, one-time president of the International Foursquare Church and senior pastor of Church on the Way, Pastor Jack Aford, who recently went home to be with the Lord. He was walking one day through Church on the, church on the Way. At the time, one of the biggest churches in the California area. And that same voice came to him. I said, wow, look at what you've built. Look at the magnificence of these structures. You know, the devil will never come to you and say, look at the people. Look at the lives you've changed. Look at them on fire for Jesus. Look at them laying hands on the sick. He will never say that one. Because that one humbles you. You will know it's not your power they are using to lay hands on the sick. But he loves the buildings. He loves the cars. He loves the, what do they call that thing on the balance sheet? That line. Bottom line. Likes it. We're in nothing. Now we have millions in assets. Makes us feel good. But I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice that God will trust you to raise people. In this kingdom, you will impact lives. And the visions he has planted in your heart, the grace, the people, the resources to make it happen is released to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, because you make this word whole in our hearts. I will bring you glory in Jesus' name. We prayed. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.